Well, thank you for joining us for our graduate banquet. And uh, now turned the senior night. The graduate banquet's a really formal celebration. And uh, since we can't be together for a formal celebration, I brought the formal with me. This is the best we can do for now. But I do want to spend a few minutes and, uh, and say goodbye. And I want to start tonight by uh, saying thank you. Uh, thank you for the year together. This is for everyone joining in. Uh, thank you for sharing the good and the bad and uh, the joys and the sorrows, uh, the tears and the laughter. And uh, even this really strange end, we thank you for sharing that with us. And that goes uh, three or four or even sometimes fivefold for some of you graduates. Uh, thank you for sharing your life with us. It's been a joy and a privilege to serve you. What I want to do tonight is uh, give a few words as we leave for the year or for good. And the Bible provides us with these words, uh, benedictions, blessings upon a parting. And we have a number of them in the New Testament and a few in the Old. And tonight's is from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I'm going to pray. Feel free to join me. Lord Jesus, we ask you to be kind to show us yourself. And in showing us yourself, help us to believe in you and know the riches of knowing you. That you might be glorified, that it might benefit us, and do good to a needy world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been thinking about it a lot, and uh, I am very, very relieved, grateful even, that I am not a commencement speaker this year. I think about this some because I speak, you know. It's, it's not a great job to begin with. You have to keep everyone's attention when all they want to do is get the heck out of there. But this year especially, you have to deal with, you know, speaking to an empty room. Everyone's online. It's really awkward. And then you're speaking, of course, to a group of folks that are sad and disappointed given this unusual end to the semester or even to their college careers. And as a commencement speaker, you have to wrestle with the expectations that come with the job. You are usually expected to assure this graduating group that they're going to go do great things, be successful. And you have to coach them up and fire them up and send them out into the world to make their mark. Yikes. How do you talk success when you and, well, just about everyone right now is unsure what the future holds, except a very bleak short-term economic outlook? How do you talk future success with any kind of confidence or even define it? Yeah, really, I am actually so glad I'm not a graduate, graduation commencement speaker 
this year. But if I were one, I think I would go right to the heart of the matter, to the very definition of success. And I would call that thing into question. And then what I'd do is I'd ask what reason someone like you in a moment like this might have for hope of success. And then I would tell that group that you have every reason to hope for success. If success is hope, as it should be, and that such a hopeful life is the very best possible life you could hope for, that's a life of hope in Jesus. Well, since we're all here, let's just go ahead and do this thing. Let's talk about finding success. I don't want to sound like some middle-aged man tonight, but finding success ain't easy. There's something very elusive about it. Lots of folks achieve what they set out to achieve. They find the success, and then they find it less than satisfying. So they keep on striving. And that's because it's our hearts, our hearts that are not so easily satisfied. Temporarily, sure, maybe for a little while. But deep down, what we really want is not easy to get or to keep. We want to feel secure. We want joy. We want peace. And what you actually want is harder to find and to keep than you think. And as we've been reminded, the world around us is not fair. It does not play fair. It can reach up and snatch your hard-earned success away in a moment. It might actually trip you right out of the starting gate. Doesn't feel quite fair, does it, grads? Definitely. Life's not fair. Finding and keeping success in a largely unpredictable mess of an unfair world is harder than you think. Shouldn't be surprised. Jesus told us not to lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves or disease break in and steal. Now, you're free, of course. And you should work hard and get promotions and secure wealth and earn accolades. But just know that to some degree, it's all a little insecure. And it may never completely satisfy. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Jesus finished. And know that there is treasure there. There is a God, rich and limitless, powerful, and he is the God of hope. That's what Paul calls him here. It's interesting. Hope's a strange thing. First, it's an admission that things aren't the way they should be. We hope they would get better. But second, hope is not just wishful thinking. It's a fierce determination that things can and will 
change for the better. And the God of the Bible is the God of hope. In other words, our hearts may let us down, and the world may not be what it's supposed to be, but God is powerful and he's invested. He can and he cares. And he is out to change things, to change us. And that is grounds for real hope. And if you have a life like that, a life of hope, of real never give up on you hope in this world, I think that's success, friends. Some of you are thinking, really? Hope is success? Have you ever tried living without it? Some of the more practical among you may be thinking, okay, okay, I get it. Don't want to live without hope. But, but what good does it actually do me? Can I put it on my resume? Can I cash it in like a stimulus check? Uh, no. But it does make you filthy rich. It's interesting. We so often seek in success what a, a couple feelings that are fleeting in this world, but promised right here joy and peace the god of hope the one who has the power and the will to bring real change to us into this world is in himself so full of joy and peace that he is able and willing to fill us with it now thought experiment Think ahead 30 years or think of your loved ones behind 30 or 40 years. Think of all the years of toil and anxious worry, longed after opportunities, crippling disappointments that people endure. Searching for and trying to secure joy and peace. And here is God, filthy rich, Scrooge McDuck swimming in it, willing to give it away. What's the catch, you say? Well, you're right. There's, there's certainly a catch. It is obscenely costly for you to secure these riches. Someone has to pay. The promised peace and joy in this verse is in believing. And in the Bible, the one who paid and the one who was to believe come together in the person of Jesus. He who is altogether right and rich, but he became poor. He was counted wrong in order to make us rich. And right in God's sight. Jesus gave it all. To the point of bankruptcy. To the point of death. That we might get his riches. That we might be counted right in God's sight. Adopted into the family. Made heirs. Rich in joy. And in peace. Friends, if you're in Jesus. If you trust him. You are filthy rich. Now, when you're filthy rich, like, you know, Jeff Bezos pulling in $24 billion during an epidemic, the inevitable question is, hey, what are you going to do with that? 
And what you should do with that is hold on to it and hold it out. By holding on, I don't mean grasping peace and joy and never letting them go because by nature those things are slippery. You are never always going to feel that way. And moreover, these are the kind of things that if you make them the thing, you'll actually never have them. No, if you go back to Paul's words here to the Romans, you are rich in peace and joy in believing. And that means you hold them the same way you have them to begin with, which is by believing in Jesus, by faithfully holding on to Jesus. Friends, holding on to Jesus means never forgetting you did not earn this. It means remembering all that Jesus has done for you. Holding on to Jesus means you keep seeking Him to grow in your trust in Him as you get to know Him more and more through studying His Word. And it means the more you know His goodness and His kindness, and his love, the greater your joy and peace will be. Friends, hold on to Jesus because it's good for you, but not just because it's good for you, but because he's worth it. He's worthy of your trust and your love. And even as you hold on to Jesus, something else, very wonderful, maybe even successful, will happen. God powerfully works by the Spirit, he says here. And what he works is abounding hope and overflowing hope. And my goodness, doesn't that sound beautiful right now and desperately needed? And behind it all, the God of hope, who is out to restore the world in Jesus, restoring you with joy and peace in such a way that you, like Jesus himself, overflow with hope to a desperate, needy world. That is success, my friends. I don't think I could wish you anything better. May it be so. Amen.